Today on First Round KO, I explain why Kawhi Leonard probably won't go to another West team, why that and PG-13 will affect where LeBron goes. I also talk about how Ronda Rousey is a natural in the WWE ring and how Big Cass getting fired from the WWE um, sends a weird message to the other wrestlers in the locker room. So let's have a great Monday. Let's get it. Shock the system. Welcome to the most must-hear WSUW sports podcast in history. Welcome to First Round KO. I am your host, KO, a.k.a. Howard J. Dingers. Now, let's knock out some topics. So today, we start off in San Antonio. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, he's, he's made it very apparent that he does not want to be in San Antonio. So San Antonio, the Spurs are looking to trade him, and... Kawhi Leonard will end up in the East. They, he will end up in the Eastern Conference. Um, Popovich, first of all, Popovich does not want to send him to a West team. There's no reason that Greg Popovich, and he has a lot of say in these trade talks, he has most of the say in where Kawhi would probably go, and I think Kawhi has a lot of say into that. We'll get into that in a little bit. But I think Popovich absolutely would not want to send Kawhi to to a team in the west like there's no reason that he would want to send Kawhi to direct competition he doesn't want to send him especially to the LA Lakers for some reason Popovich has always disliked (laughs) the Lakers he's always had a little grudge against him so there's I I really just don't see any way that Popovich would want to help the Lakers there's just no way um and and then just in the west in general like why would Popovich want to send your best player, one of the best two-way players in the league, in Kawhi Leonard, why would you send him to direct competition? Obviously, every team is direct competition, but more so the West. You have to play West teams more in the season. Plus, you would end up having to potentially see him in the playoffs, and then that comes back to bite you. You don't. You just. You just don't want to handle. You, you don't want to have to handle that during the season. But it, it, it's especially to LA, Popovich has never liked LA <laughs> as you know as he's a coach of the San Antonio Spurs he just doesn't he does not want to help the Lakers in any way he probably thinks that they don't need it because they really don't they're they're a very uh they're they're a good they're a good franchise they really are they're very successful obviously and they're very attractive to free agents especially now i think they have a lot of young pieces that can attract free agents which we'll get into also in a little bit. Um, but yeah, with Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart off the bench, Josh Hart's great. But with all those young pieces, this is a very attractive basketball team to want to go play for, which is why Kawhi wants to go play. But but Pop sees that as why would why would I help them? Because if I if I put if I'm Popovich, I'm thinking like this. If I put Kawhi Leonard on the Lakers, that's most likely going to bring LeBron to the Lakers and probably PG at the same time. It probably brings both of them to the Lakers. And then you create another super team. And, yes, it may take out Golden State, but if I'm Popovich, I don't care. I want to take out Golden State. I want to create this super team. 
if I'm Popovich, I want to be I want to be the one that takes down this dynasty. So why help another team do it? So so if I'm Popovich, I wait this out and I I pitch to LeBron to come to come to me, come to San Antonio. Because and yes, I think I think it was this morning LeBron said that he's not taking any more he's not listening to any more um big you know big shows of of recruitment like he's not he if he goes to talk to any teams he's going to talk to the gm the owner the head coach it's not it's not going to be like his first couple free because he's done this he's done this twice now and it's not going to be like his first couple where he's you know these teams are recruiting him they got all the players that are coming to say why they're going to win championship lebron knows he especially at this point after last season he knows that whatever team he goes on they're going to be a championship contender like there's no doubt it they're going to be a championship contender with lebron he could go any team he could go phoenix he could go portland he could go dallas anywhere they would be a championship contender so so if i'm popovich i i would want to say hey Instead of me sending Kawhi away, if I keep him and I can convince, I tell LeBron, I'll keep Kawhi here. You come play with Kawhi, and we we take down Golden State here. We take them down, you, and then you're able to win another championship with me. I'm the best coach in Popovich. Popovich is, I, I'd still give him the edge over Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens, he's young, but he's coming up for sure. He's he's right on his tail. But if I'm Popovich, I'm saying you come play with the best coach like Jordan did. Jordan played with the best coach of his time and in Phil Jackson. And so you tell LeBron, come play with one of the best players. Come play with the best coach. We'll win. We'll take down Golden State together. And you will win a championship here instead of going to L.A. That's just my mindset for Popovich. The, and that just it just makes sense why would Popovich help a team in the west <laughs> he has to play them more if he sends Kawhi to the east if he sends them to I don't know Washington he's not going to see that as much and then there's a slight chance that he'll see him in the finals if both teams get there it it just makes a lot more sense for if Popovich has as much say as it sounds like he does it it makes a lot of sense for them to send him to the east but I think Kawhi Leonard has more say in this than everyone thinks. I think Kawhi Leonard has a lot of a lot of pull when it comes to where he's going, and I don't know if it's necessarily on the San Antonio side of it, but I think he he would be able to, you know, during the trade talks, if he heard any any inklings of of a trade talk with any team from the East, he could just contact that team himself and say, "Hey, I don't want to play for you either. <laughs> don't trade for me because I don't want to play for you. I'm not going to resign. I probably won't give you 100%. I I just don't want to con- and then that could influence that other team easily because if you get a play if you're trying to trade for a player and that all of a sudden that player calls you and say you, that they don't want to play for that team, well then you're not going to give up valuable prospects and draft picks for that player. So I think Kawhi I think Kawhi has a lot of pull in this trade. So I it's it's really hard for me to say the Lakers are still the most probable landing spot for him. I just don't see it happening. Unless Kawhi has like the most pull out of anyone. Like if he if he's able to 
construct this trade as he wants it to, obviously he's going to go to LA. But I just don't think Popovich would ever do that. I really don't. If Popovich, I don't think Popovich will ever send Kawhi to an e, to a West team. I think Kawhi Leonard will end up in the Eastern Conference, and that and that brings up another interesting point. So the Lakers, the Lakers going into this offseason, everyone figured that the Lakers had a full or three players that they should be able to get and are able to get 100%. They are able to get these three players contract-wise, sign them, trade them. They're able to get these three players together on one team. But there's a strong chance that these Lakers go 0 for 3 with these players. Now, the first one being Kawhi. We just talked about this. I, I, I really don't think Popovich will send Kawhi over, but Kawhi really wants to go to L.A., we know this. He'll probably sign with L.A. next year. Even if he if he doesn't go to L.A., he will sign with L.A. And when he's a free agent next season in the 2019 offseason. Um, PG-13, Paul George, he's almost a certainty in L.A. He, I really think that he, he has just wanted to play in L.A. for so long. And I think he's, I think he's from somewhere in California, not too far away. Uh, he... And he's been a Lakers fan all the time. He told Indiana, this is the whole reason he's in OKC. He told the Pacers that he wasn't going to re-sign with them come this offseason. And that he was going to go to LA. He straight up said, hey Pacers, I'm not re-signing with you. I'm going to sign in LA. Sorry. You know, trade me if you want. That's fine. So I, he's al- he's almost like a certainty. I, I would say... 95%, 90 to 95% that PG is going to LA. But here's the argument for him staying, you know, because really the two are the two places he's going right now are OKC or LA. It's really that simple because, and yeah, I, everyone say, I, I even thought about that. Why would you want to stay in OKC? Why, why would you want to stay in the Thunder if you're Paul George? You just, you guys just had a bad season. Yes, you and Westbrook apparently started to figure out a rhythm and you started to really have fun playing together. You guys lost big time in the playoffs. And there's no excuse for that. You guys, you're not a good match. (laughs) First of all, anyone matched with Westbrook is not going to be a good match. I would never want to play with Russell Westbrook if I was an NBA player. But apparently, OKC can pay him more for longer than LA can. So apparently, you know, both teams can match. For four years, they can each give him about twenty-five to thirty over four years, but then comes that fifth year. L.A. would not be able to afford Paul George in that fifth year. Or, you know, currently with all their contracts going, they would not be able to. And especially if they go sign someone else, which they they're trying to sign two big-time dudes, they would not be able to afford thirty million for that fifth year. But OKC can. OKC can guarantee him that $30 million in that fifth year. So now we start, I think this starts, we start to see Paul George's real um, aspirations, his real goals, because if he, if he decides to stay in OKC, it's because of the money. It, we know that he's not going to, he, he, he'll say it if he stays. If he resigns, he'll say, you know, 
I'm here to win a championship and I think this is my best fit, blah, blah, blah. Me and Russell, we have a good thing going. Let's keep it. Let's build it even more. It's not going to work, though. We know that if he picks OKC, it's for the money. He And he – we all know my feelings on that. Um, so, there, so there's the slight chance that he goes there. If Paul George decides to resign, if he decides to chase the money and stay in Oklahoma City, LeBron, LeBron might not go to L.A. either. I think the Lakers need Paul George for a number of reasons. Um, and I think LeBron being the first one. Uh, and the second one being, so next season... They also they could also sign. There's a plethora of people being free agents next year: Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, um, Jimmy Butler. There's a there's a lot of there's even more even more than that, but just those names in general. They, there's just so many people looking for max contracts next year. Technically, LeBron and Kevin Durant and Paul George if he re-ups. Um, yeah, all these people could be free agents next year. So. If I'm the Lakers, I want to get PG-13 right now because either you're going to get LeBron right now with PG, with Paul George, and that's that's ideal for you to sign Paul George and then say, hey, LeBron, look who we just got. Come play with him. Come play with this young, talented team. And then the, I would say LeBron, that's almost certainty that if Paul George goes, I think LeBron goes. But say this doesn't – say they sign Paul George, but LeBron decides to go elsewhere. Then you have – Next year, when you still the Lakers still have that money for their max for that other max contract, so then you start looking at these other players. You look at Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson could be a decent fit if he decides to leave the Warriors, which I think he will. I think he'll want his money. What's coming to him? Jimmy Butler is interesting. Kyrie Irving's almost kind of interesting in L.A. You know, I don't know how their point guard's going to work out necessarily. The Ball family's full of a lot of drama. Apparently, Lavar's not worried if he gets traded. Could be interesting. I don't know. Um, but yeah, PG, they need PG in order to look enticing to free agents, though. Because if they don't have PG, then LeBron kind of is like, okay, you're, you're a weak. LeBron just played on the Cleveland Cavaliers. He played his full 82 games for the first time in his career. And he played all the the entire playoffs. Couple a couple times he played the entire game, all the way to the finals. He, LeBron does not want to go to another team that he has to completely carry. And I think the Lakers, as talented as they are, and I think they are ta- more talented than this Cleveland team, without LeBron, obviously. I, you know, I think the Lakers are probably more talented. They have more shooters. They're younger. So they have more potential. But I think Lebr- LeBron doesn't want to go to a team where he's the only superstar because he, he just did that, and he saw where it got him. He he got swept by the Warriors. And so he LeBron's looking to play with someone. He wants to go to a Houston where he's got two other dudes. He wants to go to L.A. with Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. He wants to go, apparently he might go to Boston, the team you know a team that could probably beat the Warriors without LeBron. He wants to go to San Antonio with Kawhi. There's all these different teams. 
And all these teams have superstars that LeBron can play with. So if L.A. doesn't get PG, they're not a championship team. LeBron doesn't want to go play with them. Obviously, they'd be a championship team with LeBron, but I don't think they can put up with the Warriors as much as with PG. I think you had PG and LeBron on one team, and that's especially on that Lakers team, that's dangerous. Um, LeBron, LeBron just doesn't want to carry a team anymore. Like He's done that. He saw where it got him. He didn't even get MVP this year. Dude carried his franchise, this, this franchise that has been built around LeBron James. He, and he carried them completely through the playoffs or through the regular season, through the playoffs, and got them to the finals. By He willed them to the playoffs by himself. It's one of the most incredible playoff runs we've ever seen. And he, so he doesn't want to do that again. He wants to go win a championship. Why would he want to play? He and it, and now he's going into his 16th season. He's not going to want to play all 82 games. He doesn't. He sh- shouldn't need to. I mean, all all players should play 82 games. That's just not where the NBA is at this point. But LeBron in his 16th, he's not going to play all 18. He shouldn't need to. He should play on a team where they don't absolutely need him every night. Come playoff time, they will. But he. He should not be the only scoring option for his team. He needs to go play with with people. Um, yeah, and, and without without Paul George, the Lakers are just another team with a bright future. Obviously, they have a very bright future. They have Lonzo Ball, who's probably going to be great in the future. Kyle Kuzma, he's coming into his own. He's going to be a great shooter. He's you know he but in the future, Brandon Ingram still needs to put on a little extra muscle. He's still a little str- string bean. He'll be a good star in the future. LeBron needs a team, needs and wants a team to win right now. I it just I it's interesting. So yeah, the Lakers need Paul George. Absolutely 100%. They need Paul George. Cuz without Paul George, you don't get LeBron. You don't get anyone next season. Because, I mean, you might be able to sign, you know, without Paul George, you might be able to sign Clay by himself. But Clay by himself is not going to add enough to that team to beat potentially Steph and Durant still in Golden State. You know, there's, they need Paul George if they want any chance at winning anytime soon, especially in this West. The West is stacked right now. They need to compete with Houston. They need to compete with the Golden State. It, they need Paul George. And if I'm Paul George, I want to go to the – I need the Lakers. I need to go to the Lakers, and I need to bring people with me. I need to go, you know, recruit LeBron. I need to convince the Spurs to trade Kawhi. We, if, I'm Paul, if I'm Paul George, I need to go to the Lakers. Be, yeah. It's just better. Staying in OKC would just be – it's just a terrible decision. It, it it would really just be for the money. Paul, he would really just be looking at that fifth year, say, hey, you know, maybe if I get hurt or something, if I'm not doing as good, I got that guaranteed dirty in, fi- in the fifth year. You know, I want that because I'm – apparently he, if he's not hungry enough, if he's, if he's not completely focused on winning a championship, he could look at his contract situation and say, eh, you know – 
who who knows you know maybe i'm not playing in maybe i'm not playing as high level in five years so i'm gonna take my money now which is a terrible way to think but as we've seen a lot of players do that it i don't know so if i'm if i'm the lakers i need to go get someone quick I need to either make this trade with Kawhi happen right now as quickly as possible, especially this week. This week is pivotal for the NBA for offseason because LeBron needs to opt out of his contract before Friday or on Friday or something. I think it's like noon or 3 o'clock on Friday. That's when he has to opt out of his contract before. If he does that, or if he if, – Moves need to be made before that because then that shows that teams, that shows him that teams are interested. I, I'm pretty sure he's just going to opt out either way because he can still resign with Cleveland and do another one year plus another player option, which I feel like he's going to do all day every every year. I feel like he's just going to keep doing that. Um, but yeah, he, if if I'm the Lakers, especially this week, you either need to go get Kawhi. Like, force the Spurs' hand, talk to Kawhi, make him force their hand too, go get Kawhi Leonard, or you need to go sign Paul George. Or at least get a, a verbal agreement from them, because then LeBron is going to um, LeBron's gonna opt out, and then come July 1st when the NBA free agency actually opens, you can sign both of them, and LeBron can do his big... You know, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. His big thing in Miami, and then he only won two. He, if the Lakers don't make a quick, so, so this is interesting too. So LeBron, his past two uh, uh, free agencies, his, when he left Cleveland, he, the big decision, big post, or big show that he put on that I was just talking about was July 10th. Nine days after free agency, it was, you know, as, as Colin Coward likes to say, it was a standalone event. LeBron likes to stand out and be his own thing. July 10th was his first one. When he left Miami to go back to Cleveland, he announced it on June or on July 8th. So this is a full week after free agency opens. He wants to stand out. So they do have time. But they don't have a lot of time, especially with this, you know, Kawhi Leonard thing. The the Spurs apparently are are gonna hold this out as long as they can. They might even hold it till the trade deadline. But if I'm the Lakers, you got to make the move now. You either need to go kick Kawhi, or before you know that middle. Because I'm sure LeBron, in these instances, when he announces Ju- July 8th and July 10th, I'm sure he makes up his mind early. There's no way that he takes actually that long to yes he he kind of watches the rest of free agency he'll watch the first couple days of free agency he'll watch you know the first day where all these you know all these kind of big names will start going and then the second day when the second wave starts, and then three four but by that fourth day you kind of get a feel of where free agents free agents are going and where everyone's going so then he's deciding so if i'm the lakers day one or day two Paul George needs to be signed. If you don't do that, you, you're probably going to miss out on LeBron. Because if if LeBron sees that PG isn't in LA 
and Kawhi's not in LA, then he's going to start looking at Philadelphia where they're, they're pursuing him very hard. So he's obviously going to be looking at that. He's going to see, okay, well, LA's not, LA's not ready right now, but this Philly team is very talented, very ready. They, they did pretty good in the season last year. They're going to see, he's going to see that he's going to see Boston. Obviously Boston's ready. They almost knocked LeBron out of the playoffs. So he's going to be looking there. He's going to be looking down in Houston. Oh, look at that team should have beat the Warriors. They were an injury away from beating the Warriors. That's kind of interesting. I might have to, you know, LA, LA's not doing anything for me. I might have to, might have to go play with Chris Paul, James Harden. The Lakers need to make this move and they need to make it fast. Day one, day two, it needs to happen. If not, I think they they pretty quickly lose out lose out on a chance because, like I said, LeBron may choose Philly, Boston, Houston, or even San Antonio before LA even gets a chance to sign someone or get you know recruit someone. I think LeBron he has a pretty good idea of what's going on already. So teams teams that want him, especially the Lakers, I think the Lakers' future kind of depends on this offseason and next because they really yeah they really need Paul George and LeBron or one of the both I I don't think LeBron goes without Paul George I think Paul George could is going to go you know regardless of what LeBron wants to do but this, this offseason is going to be really interesting I'm really excited for July 1st it's it's gonna be great. I love off. I love free agency. I love seeing where teams go or where players go, why they go, how much freaking money they're taking away from the rest of the team. It's ridiculous. Just sign a smaller contract. <laughs> Just sign like half of what your contract is so that the team can go get other good players. If you want to win that bad. So that's enough of the NBA for now. We'll come back to it. So next, we're going to talk about WWE. Um, and I apologize. It's not. I'm not going to be talking about, I don't know. I apologize to anyone who doesn't like WWE. But it's, it's fun to talk about, especially this. So this, this has been an interesting story ever since um, it's been announced. It's been rumored for years. But it finally came in February of this year, February of 2018, the announcement was finally made. She finally made her debut on WWE TV at the Royal Rumble after the women's match. Ronda Rousey made her WWE pre- debut. She she came out and everyone was freaking out. You know, it was very, you know, love hate. Every either you were super excited for her and you just couldn't wait to see her in the ring. You thought she was going to be great or you're like one of my buddies, Kyle. Um who absolutely hates her and doesn't think she's going to be good, you know, critiques every little thing. And, you know, he has a right to. He, he has his reasons. People, I'm sure people have their reasons. But it was a very love-hate relationship with Ronda Rousey when she first came into WWE. And then she didn't have any matches and she was uh, until WrestleMania. She was thrown into this program She with Triple H and Ronda tagging with Kurt Angle. They had this program. The build was interesting it was kind of you know a normal authoritative um angle for wwe it was very you know they kind of screwed her so then she 
got angry and rebelled and wanted a match against her or against Steph. Um, so, so that build was interesting. Her promo skills were subpar, it, especially before Mania. They they were just not they were they weren't great. So that that very much threw people back. Like, oh, this could be interesting. This has the potential to not be good. Uh, if if her in-ring work is anything like her promos, it's not going to be good. And reports were coming out all before the week of Mania. There so many reports are coming out that her in-ring ability is, is going to blow your mind away. She's, she, apparently, she's, it's just going to throw you back. She's fantastic at selling, she, and she knows what she's doing because she's a fighter. She knows how to do this stuff. And I have to say, after WrestleMania, I was very impressed. And even even haters were. You could not deny her in-ring ability after WrestleMania. She put on one of the best matches of the night. It was very entertaining. Had one of the biggest crowd reactions of the night. It was fantastic. She looked, she looked like natural. But then WWE <laughs> didn't book her in a match until... I think a couple months later now, two months later, money in the bank, and they gave her a women's championship match against Nia Jax. Now, being her first singles match, she hadn't, she has not wrestled on Raw yet. Still to this day, no, no matches on Raw. Um, and you know, and so leading up to Money in the Bank, Nia Jax challenged her, and Ronda tried to play the oh, there's so many people more deserving than me you know i don't deserve this yet I'm, i haven't proved myself and i was like i don't care i just want to fight you she's like okay fine i'll i'll challenge you for your title that was okay but that was wwe acknowledging that ronda hasn't proved herself yet and hasn't done enough in the ring to deserve a title match but that was their way of saying we don't care we're still going to give her a title match terrible booking and terrible booking might be the f- downfall of ronda now, the, going in, we'll get back to that. Going into this match with Nia Jax, her title match at Money in the Bank, she, everyone was very concerned because, you know, at WrestleMania, she was in the ring with Triple H, Kurt Angle, and Stephanie McMahon. As, Stephanie's not a wrestler necessarily, but she is experienced in the ring and she knows what she's doing. Nia Jax is not the most technically sound wrestler. She's she's just not good. She's she's a big power wrestler. She she does her big power moves, she she does her drops, she does her slams, she runs into people, clotheslines, she picks people up. That's all she really does. And so everyone going into this match was saying this is terrible to be putting Ronda Rousey in her first singles match against Nia Jax, someone who doesn't really know what they're doing necessarily, who can't put on a good match by by herself. So everyone was worried. Everyone was just... Everyone was very worried about this. So, But then we go into the match, and the match was actually really good. <laughs> it was booked, interestingly, because Nia, you know, Ronda... Some could say that Nia, or that Ronda sold too much, that Nia had too much offense. I disagree. I think, you know, in WWE standpoint, the story that they were telling was Nia's, you know, out of the weight class that Ronda normally fights. So she's a little out of her league. Plus, you know, she's only, you know, headbutts aren't allowed and 
all that fun stuff, which I interesting way to start. But the, that's the story they told, and that's the story they told with the match. Nia was a big, powerful girl who was slamming Ronda into the turnbuckles, onto the mat with these power bombs. She was throwing her. Every time she kicked out, she would throw Ronda. So the match storytelling was very consistent. I'll, t- I'll give them that. It was, it was good in what they were telling. It was very consistent. <clears throat> but, but the match was good. The match was good, and the, and the ending protected everyone. So the ending was um, Ronda was about to get the arm bar on Nia Jax. She was about to get her cross arm breaker, that she, and Nia was going to tap. Like, Nia knew. She was like, okay, as soon as this is in, I'm going to tap because this hurts. Um, Ronda's about to get that in. She's yelling at Nia, and all of a sudden, um, Alexa Bliss, who had won Money in the Bank pre- the, in the, or previously in the night in the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match, Hits not or Ronda in the back with the briefcase, causing the disqualification. Now she hit Ronda in the back, giving Ronda the disqualification win. So Ronda stays two and zero. She stays undefeated. That's important. Nia didn't tap out, and she didn't lose her title. Makes still keeps Nia looking somewhat strong. But then Alexa beat up both of them, took Ronda out of the equation, and beat up Nia, and then. It, cashed in her money in the bank on Nia, won the match in 35 seconds, and won her title, and then left. But the match, it was good. It was very good in-ring work. It was very entertaining, and everyone was surprised because now we can see Ronda as someone who's able to kind of carry a team, or not a team, carry a match, a WWE match, almost by herself because we've seen matches with Nia Jax that have not been good. And it's most of her matches. It really is. But you kind of look... You So you look at this match and you say, okay, Ronda was really good at WrestleMania. She's really good at Money in the Bank. So that means that she's the good wrestler, right? So yeah. So now everyone's super excited. We're, you know, and, and the proof is there. Ronda, she's just... A complete natural in the ring and now they're starting to book her more of like a stone cold ba dude because now this past monday she attacked alexa because she was super mad and kurt angle tried to interfere and kurt um or she she judo threw kurt and then punched him a couple times and then went and beat up not or alexa with the briefcase and then beat up kurt with the briefcase and then some refs came down to interfere and then she beat up the refs, too. She's beating up everyone. And then they suspended her for 30 days. Now, there's a couple of different angles they can take with this. They can either actually have her gone for 30 days, or they can play the Stone Cold card, and she can come back and just beat up Alexa more. Or she could just stay gone. It depends. She might be promoting a movie. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but, so, I don't know. So, let's, let's break this down. Ronda... We know she's a natural in the ring. We've we've kind of established this now because she she did it with an experienced wrestler at WrestleMania, and then she did it with a not so great wrestler at Money in the Bank. So we know she's she's a natural in the ring. Her promo skills are very subpar. They're borderline terrible. They they are not good. So WWE needs to figure out what the right formula is for her. I don't know if it's just not scripting or. If it's just not to, I think they just need to give her a mouthpiece. I think they need to give her a manager who talks um, because uh, otherwise uh, 
people are going to sour on her a lot because she can't talk. Um, even though her matches are going to be good, if she can't cut a promo, it's it's not going to work, unfortunately. Um, so they need to figure something out with that. Just have her practice. I'm not sure. But her, her wrestling is main event caliber. Like, she honestly, I, I could see them, if they built a feud right, they could put her in a... In, I think they could have put this Nia Jax match main event at, at Money in the Bank. It could have closed the show. I really think it could have. And it would have been great because it, it was a well-wrestled match. It was a well-booked match, well-told story. And it was a good finish. Ronda could be a main event wrestler. And you can't... <coughs> excuse me. You can't say that for too many female wrestlers. You got Charlotte Flair... You got Becky Lynch, and you have Asuka and Sasha. I think those four are main eventers. They should be. Charlotte and Sasha have already proved that. I think Asuka can prove that if they start booking her right again. Um, but I think Ronda, Ronda is a main eventer. She, she knows how to captivate the crowd. She knows how to put on entertaining matches, especially at this point. And so the reason that – it. That they kind of, that that she's able to put on this decent match is because she she treats this not as so a lot of or a lot of fighters like MMA boxers UFC a lot of them try to transition into WWE and a lot of them come into this and look at it as a fake fight which is what it is it is a fake fight but as a as a performer you can't look at it as a fake fight you need to look at it as as a real fight, but you're not hurting anyone. You need to look at it like, you know, you're actually you're actually angry at this person and you're actually getting hurt. But you can't you just you have to keep your mindset that you're not actually hurting anyone cuz Ronda could actually hurt a couple people. But as long as you keep as long as you keep those those uh those punches you know, off and a little soft, as long as you make them look good, that's the whole key is making those at least look believable because all you have to do on offense is make a move look somewhat believable because most of it falls on your opponent, which is why Ronda is so good because she makes her opponent look better by selling. She's so good at selling. She sells perfectly at moves. She's able to you know sell a fake punch because she knows what a real punch does and what it feels like to take a real punch. So she she knows what these moves feel like and what it feels like to get slammed on the mat, what it feels like to get, you know, slammed into the fence. So she she's able to convey that and and tell the audience that she's in pain without her actually being in pain. So her selling has been beautiful. So she knows how she knows how to make it look like she's getting beaten up because she has gotten beat up. And that's the way that fighters need to go into this like there's a lot of like Bobby Lashley. He's now he was a wrestler and then a fighter and now he's a wrestler again. He has worked on his actual wrestling ability, but I feel like if he if he works on his selling, then then he's he's going to be able to put on a good match because if both opponents are able to sell, then both opponents' offense is going to look good. Because the selling looks good. The selling is what does most of the offense justice. So that and that's so that's why Ronda she made Nia look really good in that match because she did a lot of good moves. And then 
just her offense in general too. You know, her punches, obviously, they look real, and she's figured out a way to transition those real punches into fake punches. <coughs> Excuse me again. Um, she's figured out how to transition those fake punches or those real punches into fake punches, which is great because now they they still look real. Um, and she and her she threw a fantastic knee at at, at Naya that looked real um, at Money in the Bank, and so she's a. She's able. She knows what the fighting is, and most and more more fighters need to do that. They need to be able to know how to transition, and she's done it perfectly in the ring. She knows how to throw these. She knows how to fight, and she knows how to take. Uh, she knows how to take a beating. So now she's been able to transfer that into showing people that I am fighting and I am getting beaten up without it actually happening. And she's doing a fantastic job. She's just an absolute natural in the ring. Staying with the WWE. <laughs> Big Cass. Um, I don't remember his actual name. He, he was under Colin Cassidy. I don't know what his actual name is. He was under Big Cass at, as WWE. Big Cass got fired from WWE for a number of different incidences. Um, it, and... A lot of it was, you know, different different things happening and different attitudes that he had. So, apparent, so I'm just going to go through real quick what he did, and then there's one that I'm going to go into specifically. So, Big Cass, and he, so Big Cass came back from injury. I want to say two weeks after WrestleMania, it was the Superstar Shakeup. So that was April, late April, and he got fired a week ago today. Two months he was here. Three months. Two months. So this all happened in between the, those two. This all happened in two months. So first, backstage, he, he got in a backstage conversation with his ex-girlfriend, current SmackDown Live women's champion, Carmella. They dated. They broke up, I want to say, late last year. Not sure. And apparently he... She tried walking away because she was done with the conversation. And apparently he was not done with the conversation. <coughs> ah, apparently, Cass wanted to keep talking. And uh, he grabbed her arm and apparently pretty aggressively pulled her back. And this prompted other WWE, other WWE superstars to um, intervene. So that that doesn't look good when you kind of aggressively pull your ex-girlfriend back into a con- it just doesn't and if other people have to get involved that's even worse that that just does not look good leave that stuff out leave it you know at home talk talk outside the company not a good not a good incident so after that they WWE went on their uh European tour and apparently I don't know if this has anything to do with the Carmilla incident, but apparently Cass was a pretty heavy drinker. I don't know if this is a all like a normal thing, but at least in in Europe he was drinking pretty heavily, and he was very moody and he had a very bad attitude while he was drunk in Europe, um, and that just doesn't. It, apparently, one of the underlying reasons, like one of the there, there's one. And then there's a second underlying reason. <coughs> oh, it's 
it's the Carmilla incident and now this incident that were kind of the two big ones um, the, of why he got fired. Apparently, he, uh, just being publicly intoxicated, <laughs> I can't imagine that's a good look, especially when you're trying to represent a company in a foreign country. It's not, it's not a good look. Um, I get, I get you're in a different country, so you're trying to kind of vacation, but mm, you stay in the hotel room, maybe. <laughs> it, and you can't be, yeah. So also while they're on, I think it was, I think it was the European tour while they're on some, yeah, it was definitely the European tour cause they're on their tour bus. And while in the tour bus, Big Cass was using the bus bathroom. And when he tried to leave the door jammed, the lock jammed on the door. And Big Cass, being this seven-foot human, he, he, first of all, he thought he was being pranked. He thought people locked it from the outside or, like, you know, were holding it closed. So and so, Big Cass got very – being seven-foot and being in a small bathroom, I can imagine, he got very claustrophobic. And he got very angry slash scared. And if – I don't know about you, but I would not want to – make a seven foot man who fake fights angry and scared at the same time in a closed area (laughs) because apparently he got so freaked out that he broke the door down and he broke the door on the bathroom in the bus and for the rest of the ride for the rest of the tour bus ride the superstars the wrestlers had to use the bathroom with the door with no door they had to, yeah, they had they had to go to the bathroom on the bus with everyone else on there with no door. They just had to kind of hope that no one looked. Um, and so some, some superstars on the bus were very understanding. Some superstars were not. <laughs> some superstars were very peeved, very upset about it. Um, so that's, that's a whole other incident that adds into it. And then we go on to an episode of SmackDown Live. Big Cass's, um, Big Cass's, what am I thinking? I don't know what word I'm thinking of. His, his program was with Daniel Bryan. He was in a feud with Daniel Bryan. So creative's idea was, okay, let's have, because the whole thing was that Cass is seven foot tall and he's a big, tall dude. And Daniel Bryan's a short guy. He, he's he's small, so the whole feud is, hey, hey, Daniel, I'm big and you're small. I can beat you up. Terrible feud. But one of the angles that creative, that WWE creative wanted to do was for Cass to have... <coughs> ah, was for Cass to have a little person come out dressed dressed up as Daniel Bryan and to continue making fun of the fact that Daniel is short. So... The plan for creative was to have this little person come out and for Big Cass to give him one big boot. One one just one boot to the face and that's it. And then Cass just stands tall and leaves. But Cass, being the bad guy, being the heel in this situation, said, I think it's gonna be I think it'd be a better angle. I think I would get better heat from the audience if I were to continue the beat up after the big boot if i you know laid a couple punches on him stomp him down a little really make it look mean and creative said no absolutely we're not going to have you 
beat up a little person on on live television. That, that's just not it's not it's not a good look for the company. And 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 he's and so they argued creative and big cast. So creative finally was like, all right, let's get Vince involved. Let's see what he says. So cast brings his idea to Vince. And Vince McMahon, the C, the founder, the owner of WWE, the big all end all be all of all creative decisions. And Vince also said no. <laughs> Vince said no, not a, not a good look for the company. It would it would be very bad media for this company who's trying to at least keep it somewhat clean as much as a fighting show can. And so <coughs> the. The plan goes on. Big Cass runs his mouth about Daniel. Daniel Dana Bryan's music hits, and the little person comes out dressed up in a beard and long hair and Daniel's shirt. And Big Boo or Big Cass uh, kicks kicks the guy, and he stands there for a second with his hands up like he's celebrating, and then he continues the beatdown like he was told not to. He punched he punched the little person. He kicked him. He, it, it went on for a couple minutes. When you go back on YouTube, <laughs> WWE's version of this clip and their, the, all of their replays that they had a chance to edit, this is all cut out. It's all, it's all just the big boot and the celebration. There's no beatdown. They were not happy about this at all. They were very un- unhappy with him. And I can understand. Like, it, it is a bad look. But at the same time, he had a point. This... Obviously, it's fake fighting, and people know that. So he, and it, it did give him more heat. You, you, you can't tell me that a dude beating up on a little person like that makes you hate him more. And that was his job in that scenario was for people for him to make people hate him. So, so this it's, this is the interesting thing. So on Stone Cold's podcast, Vince Vince McMahon said that there's wrestlers like. I think I think he mentioned Cesaro and Sheamus specifically that have not quote unquote grabbed the brass ring. So that's a wrestling term. He, these wrestlers have not challenged Vince McMahon on creative ideas. These wrestlers um, are just yes men who take their creative decisions and they just go do it. He he wants wrestlers to say, "I have an idea." <laughs> Why don't I do this? Why don't, you know, or just kind of go out and do it and see if it works. Big Cass did this. Big Cass very much did. And I, so maybe, maybe this didn't have anything to do with it. Maybe they had already made up their decision with the whole Carmella, the whole Europe drinking, the whole bus, the bathroom bus situation. But this, this looks bad because some, because Cass challenged Vince. Vince said no, but Cass thought this was a better move and he would get more heat, which it did. And then, and so yeah, Cass thought this was a better angle. And Cass, for some reason, Cass gets backstage heat for it. So that's a bad look for WWE now because now any wrestler who, who hears Vince saying, okay, you guys need to challenge me. I'm looking for someone to grab the brass ring. Well, now, now, now they're looking at this. This dude just got fired, and he, he just did it, and it worked, but he got fired. So now other wrestlers are like, well, I mean, now, now I, just, I better just listen to Vince. I, I better just listen to what he wants me to do 
No one's gonna no one's gonna go grab that brass ring. No one's going to challenge Vince anymore. Because now it unless you're John Cena <laughs> or Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar, those are the only three people in wrestling who really have any pull with Vince. And they're not other wrestlers are looking at this situation saying this dude just got major heat. He already had heat, but now this added to it. He already or he he's in trouble because he challenged Vince. So now I'm not going to. I'm just going to do what I'm told. I'm going to be the character he wants me to be. I'm going to do the stories and the angles that he wants because Vince knows all. Terrible. Just bad for wrestling altogether. And I it's sad because I think I don't think that had anything to do with it. It it probably it probably didn't help, but I think they were probably already leaning on releasing him. It's it's interesting. You you really shouldn't. I don't know. It's just a bad look because now people aren't going to challenge him. Um. So now, yeah, yeah. Now we move on to one last thing. One my uh, one last thing for today. The World Cup is uh, devastating to Messi's legacy. It's terrible. You look at this. Messi is. We all knew this. Messi's really the only decent player on Argentina, and we knew he was going to have to carry his team. So, realistically, you can look at this, and after after this World Cup, you can say, oh, Messi's the only player on his team. You can't, you can't expect him to just carry the team and score all their goals. He needs more. Put- but then... <laughs> You have this other dude who, uh, who, who Messi is competing with for uh, best player in the world, Cristiano Ronaldo, in Portugal. And Ronaldo is the only player on his team scoring. He's scoring all of their goals. He scored all four so far, and they're playing. He's playing today. I'm sure he'll score two, or you know, he'll score both of them for him. Um, and so, so now you have Ronaldo. Doing what Messi can't do, so me, me, so you can't make the only option bad team argument for Messi because it's the same situation for Ronaldo and Ronaldo stepped up. Ronaldo stepped up and he scored a hat trick in their first game. He scored their only goal in the second game. He he stepped up and he's carrying his team into this World Cup, but and Messi couldn't. Messi missed that that PT kick. And I, in the second, I don't know, he, he hasn't scored. I don't think Messi scored yet. He, Messi needed to step up like Ronaldo did. He needed to step up, play his heart out, and carry his team in this World Cup. And he just didn't. And that's just the truth of it. He, he really just did not, he, he didn't step up. And he really needed to. And now uh, people will always remember both of these performances. Um, they'll remember Ronaldo. It, anytime this goat argument is going to come up now, everyone's going to come back to this. At least they're going to come back to this first round because realistically, Argentina, I think they have to win and they need ooh, Croatia and Iceland to tie. Ooh, excuse me. That's a, that's a stretch. It could happen. They could squeak in. They could pass, they could pass Nigeria real quick, but it, it's a stretch. If they don't make it, if they don't, if they don't make it out of their group, people will always remember Ronaldo carrying his team 
into the World Cup and Messi flopping. Messi not coming up clutch, not being able to carry his team, not being able to show up in this big moment. And that's it's obvious, and that's going to be the argument, and that's going to be an easy argument for people to make. Uh, people are always going to be on Ronaldo's side now. And you kind of have to be. I'm even, you know, I'm a big Messi fan. But you have to look at this and say, you know, Ronaldo stepped up. He did what he needed to do when he needed to do it. And Messi just did not. Messi did not. He missed his – he had a chance. We can't say that he didn't get any chances because he missed that kick that would have broken the tie in the first game. It, yeah, it's it's just sad because he had a real chance. Him and Messi – or Ronaldo and Messi both – if they both do in this and then they both get into the cup – then you can still you could still be having this argument, but now I, the argument's almost over. Ronaldo, he he's carrying his team through this, and Messi just isn't able to. And people are always going to remember these performances by both of these men anytime that they talk about these uh, that this goat argument. Um, it's always going to come back to that. It's always going to come back to this first round, and Messi might not be able to fight back from that. He's he's getting up there too, so this could be over for him. Uh, and I, you know, it's not like, but it's not like the goat argument necessarily matters to them. It's it's really the World Cup in general. I think, especially for for both of these players, if they win the World Cup, that's going to mean more than anything. If Messi were to somehow squeak this out and then win the World Cup, I mean, that might even sway the argument. But he's not worried at the argument at that point. He he just wants to win. He he's really. Just he's here to win. He's here for the winning mindset, and he wasn't able to step up, sadly. And Ronaldo is, um, and that's why that's why the goat situation. That's why this whole World Cup is just devastating to Messi's legacy. And it's sad because it's sad because he's a great talent. He's a great player, but he he didn't step up, and Ronaldo did. There's the cold clutch factor, um, and that plays a big part. So, uh, yeah, I think that uh, I think that'll conclude everything. Thank you, everyone, for listening. My show is live Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from noon to one on WSUW ninety one seven The Edge, um, and it is always available for or via podcast on SoundCloud and YouTube. Just search for First Round KO. Subscribe. Shoot me a comment. Let me know you're listening. Argue with me. Then you know, fight me. <laughs> Just. Let me, yeah, just fight me. Make, make an argument. I, I want to fight with some people. And, or if you're interested in coming on the show, I'm, look, I'm always looking for guests to come on and talk with me. I've had Tom and Carter. I, I'm pretty sure it's not, not 100% certain, but I'm pretty sure my buddy Kyle's going to be coming on on Friday. That'll be a fun show. Um, but, yeah, just please come. If you want to hit me up in the comments, hit me up on Twitter, Olsen2k18. Just let me know, um, and we'll figure something out. Or fight me <laughs> if you disagree with something. Fight me. We'll and I'll I'll comment back. But yes, please subscribe. Um, please like all these. Please repost these. I want you know I'm trying to grow. I'm very early in this podcast, so please you know tell your friend if if your friends like podcasts or if they like sports, just give them, just let them give me a chance. You know, maybe oh, maybe they'll like me. <laughs> Not a lot of people do. We'll see. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So uh, remember, 
you miss 100% of the shots you don't shoot, so go shoot your shot. We'll see you on Wednesday. Reel it in, beg a beg and please don't make me throw this again. Things are getting eerie like the lake is down in Michigan. Had a good year, kind of tired, we're the Michelin. At the finish line, go get the checkered flag. Take